Hello, and welcome to Just Figure It Out, a podcast to inspire and encourage our listeners to pursue their goals. This will be done by sharing stories and experiences from guests about how they made definite goals, how they failed and succeeded, but never gave up. In essence, how they just figured it out. My name is Jen McAllister, the host, also the owner of Rise CPA and Accountants. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Tony Acosta. He's a realtor with Gold Bar, Utah, and a content creator. So can you tell us a little bit more about that before we jump into some conversation? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, I've been in the real estate industry for about 12 years. I started just as a showing agent, didn't have any experience. I was 21 years old. I'd never run a business before. Uh, and I just started showing homes. You know, I started opening doors, uh, servicing other people's clients and started learning. You know, And I've kind of gone on this, on this journey, working my way up. I became a principal broker six years in as a real estate agent, which is pretty quick. And uh, my life has just been a lot of, you know, taking on challenges, uh, doing new things. That transition from agent to broker was difficult. It was something new. And I have multiple examples in my life of, you know, recognizing an opportunity and just jumping at it and trying to figure it out. I love the the tagline for your show. It's it, it's something that I've had to learn. You could say the hard way, but thanks to that, um, if I've had any level of success, I would attribute it to that trait. That's fantastic. I can't wait to hear some more stories. My first question is, I mean, 21 years old, what in the world did you think you had any business, you know, showing people houses? Tell tell us about uh, what what led up to that, that let you believe in yourself that you could do something like that at such a young age. Of course, you know, I often, I say it as a joke, but it couldn't be more true. I got into real estate because my mom told me to. And so <laughs> the way it went down was one of my parents' high school classmates was already a broker. So he was already a top producer. He was doing very well. He was at the point in his career, he, would, he had already been in the industry for over a decade at that point. I'm talking 2012. And he was at a point where he had more buyers than he could handle. So he needed someone that would go open doors, help people answer basic questions so that then he could put them under contract. And so uh, we ran into him at a burger joint just by chance. And he asked my parents what I was up to. I was debating if I wanted to go to college, if I wanted to stay in my hometown or go to college elsewhere. And uh, he presented this opportunity to my parents and he said, hey, you know, I think that your son could could be good at this. It's a good basic gig. So he set up a meeting and I'm 21 years old and my mom goes with me to this meeting. I'm kind of being a jerk about it. I'm in the car. I don't want to go in. And she says, you're taking this meeting. I take the meeting. I sit with Daniel. He explains how everything works. And uh, you know, when he starts saying, you can make this much or this is how it works, my eyes kind of lit up and I decided to give it a shot. And here we are over a decade later talking to you. That's that's awesome. That's not what I'm expecting. You know, like that's that's great. That's funny that your mom made you do it. You know, hats yeah. off to parents who know better than their children, which is about 99% of, of parents, but and great that you that you did it, that you got in the car with your mom and and did it. Um prior to that point, did you see yourself? Um, did you did you recognize that skill to be able to talk to people? I mean, because that's I would imagine I've never been a real estate agent, but that you have to be able to really connect with people. You do. I think one of the things that helped me was uh, I served a, a service mission for my church. 
for two years, I lived in Honduras. And so going out, talking to people every day, not being afraid to approach somebody on the street, uh, really living a life where you try to put others first, you try to find opportunities to serve and help. I think that that really helps set the stage for me to where I could come into an industry where it's it's not the same, but you still have to go talk to people, talk to strangers and try to find ways to help and problem solve. So I definitely think that that two-year experience helped me to prepare for what is an industry where, yeah, you, you have to talk to people, get uncomfortable. There's a lot of rejection. Things don't go well. They do go well. So without a doubt, I think that that was a, a big pillar for me in, in my prep. But I've never wanted to be a real estate agent. I didn't even know what a real estate agent was. My parents never bought a home growing up. I probably lived in 10 different houses growing up and there was always an owner and it was never us. And so for me, this idea of home ownership was, was a little bit foreign. And so diving into that world was, was a lot of fun. Yeah, I could imagine. So I could imagine that you were up against people that you're showing homes and they're looking at you like, do you, do you really know what you're talking about? Like you don't own a home, you're 21. How did you, did that affect you sometimes? How did you have some skill sets and some tools to say, forget about what they think. I know what I can do. Like, where were you with that? It absolutely messed with me early on. And I would have conversations with my broker and he would always say, you have to find a way to get people to trust you. And I had those conversations. I've never run a business before. I was 21, but I looked like I was 15. I didn't have any facial hair, super <laughs> skinny. I was, I was a very skinny kid, 150 pounds my senior year of high school. Like really, really, uh, I did not look the part. And then you know, getting into the industry here in Utah, the, uh, the average real estate agent is a 57-year-old white woman. I was a 21-year-old Mexican kid. And so it was, it, it was difficult. I think what helped me was, I remember one conversation with, with Daniel and he said, instead of focusing on what you don't have, try to figure out what you do have or what you could have. And so what I started doing from that moment on is, okay, I don't have investment properties. I don't have the money or the cars or the Rolexes that I often saw and that is often flashed in the real estate community. What do I have? And I started to write down every single question that anybody would ask me that was real estate related. Any question, if it was at a showing, at an inspection, didn't matter. I wrote it down and I started sharing them just from my phone on Facebook. And I thought the only thing that I can provide at this point in my career is answers, answers to common questions. And if I'm an agent, I assume that I have a little bit more knowledge in real estate than most people. If I can put that at their disposal, maybe I'll survive. Maybe I'll be okay. And that's exactly what happened. I love that. I love that way to, to build credibility instead of thinking like you're holding on to, you know, secrets that you don't want to share with everyone, but the, the abundance mentality, um, that's fantastic. So yeah, what at the end of the day, the, the information is a commodity, right? And even more so now, I mean, back then, but more so now people can just Google stuff. They don't need me or anyone else to get info. If, if I can win the, the, the privilege of being the resource, I think that's where the value is. But the information itself, you can get it anywhere. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, 
the, the advice that was given to you, don't focus on what you don't have, but what you could have. And let's take it more of a personal level. What are some of the things that, you know, now you're starting to see material things. What are some things that you identified that you wanted and talk to me about how you figured out how to achieve those, those things? Of course. So if we talk about, let's say a money goal, the first goal that I ever set was $10,000 a month. That for me was, I, I didn't know what to do with so much wealth. Like it was, it was insane. I remember the very first time it happened, looking at my bank account after a good month. Now, mind you, I was on a, on a very expensive split. At, at that point, it was 80, 20, 80 going to the broker. So I had to close six, seven deals to make $10,000 in one month. But I remember that day and then later having a conversation where you know, my broker said, okay, you have to set that scary goal. What is a number that is just seems unfathomable? And for me, the number that came to mind was $25,000 in one month. But that to me was, was insane. Like I'd never seen or even thought about that kind of money. 10,000 seemed like wild. But I remember starting to, to see the path, starting to see, okay, if I make X amount from every deal, how many deals do I need? And trying to reverse engineer the goal, saying, okay, then maybe I need five deals or I need 10 deals. Where are they going to come from? And you start to not only set a goal, but analyze the goal, break it down. I had to break it down into what do I have to do in six months? What do I have to do in three months? Then what should I do every month? Which means what should I be doing every week? which translates to what should I be doing every day? What habits do I need to have? And I think that throughout my life, that has been a recurring theme of what do I need to do and try to reverse engineer and break down your goals. Because it's easy to say, I want to make a million dollars a year or a hundred thousand dollars a year. But what does that mean really? What, what needs to happen, whether in your business or whatever it is, what needs to happen in order for you to get there? So, so for me, it was just working backwards how many deals do I need? How many clients do I need? And just then once I have it, attack it relentlessly. I love that reverse engineering. I mean, really that's, that's where it's at. I mean, you've, you've got to set the goal and then the whole figure it out. Well, figuring it out is literally, yeah, creating a plan that's going to break it down and just what you said, reverse engineer it. So I love that because if you don't have a plan, you're not going to, to reach your goal. A goal is just a goal without um, certain specific measurable steps. So I love that. One of the goals that I had for myself since we're on the, the topic of financial goals is we love to go to Lake Powell as a family. It's there's, there's seven children and unanimously, everybody loves Lake Powell the very most. And so I thought, well, this is where I need to make an investment so that every year, especially as they get older, life gets busier to have an exact week that they know to plan for to go to Lake Powell. So I thought about, I need a, a timeshare in a houseboat. And we had rented, we had rented houseboats all the way up until that point. So I knew what we could afford. And so, you know, kind of the reverse engineering is, okay, so I'm used to spending, let's say $5,000 each summer uh, to rent a houseboat, but now I want to own a timeshare. And so I, you know, again, 
backwards engineered, well, what would my, what would my payment be? What, you know, what, what could I afford with a $5,000 payment? So I opened up my, my mind to it. And that's, that's one thing about goal setting is you got to be patient. You've got to be open to different ways to achieve that goal. So I, all I knew at this point is that I wanted a permanent houseboat, a timeshare. And so I, you know, year after year, I would say for about three years, I would systematically scour the the used timeshares within, you know, a, a newer section. And I finally found one that came onto the market and I, it was still $20,000 more than was in my budget. And so here we are again, you know, pivoting and, and thinking outside the box and well, that, you know, I can't do that. So how am I going to make this work? Well, it was, it was actually a brand new boat, which I didn't have to have, but it was the one that was available. Someone bailed on it. And so it became available. And so at the time I had um, an executive team that I was working for that was real flashy and liked expensive fun vacations. They were from Florida. And so I pitched this idea, you know, how would you guys feel to go on an executive retreat on a brand new houseboat? Look at these pictures, never been used. And, you know, it's going for this. So anyways, long story short, I sold them the idea to use my houseboat brand new for $20,000. This was their $20,000 retreat. So the the point of all of this is a, a few different things. Um, you, you just got to keep thinking and keep thinking outside the box and be creative and think of ways that you can still achieve your goals. Two years now, we've had this super fun houseboat and um, it's, it's a lifetime investment of family time. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's such a tremendous example. It's just attacking it relentlessly and just figuring it out and seeing what is possible. What are you open to? Having the courage to to think of that idea and pitch it, even if you might get rejected. It's just no matter how long it takes, just not taking no for an answer. And I think that too often when we don't see immediate results or when we don't get the first yes, or it gets a little bit complicated or we don't, there's a hiccup with the loan or whatever it is, we quit. But mm-hmm. I think that if you can attack your goals relentlessly and be be flexible in the how, because there's a lot that you might not be aware of, but know that I'm going to get there and I'm, I'm willing to learn and do whatever it takes. Yes. So do you have any per- more personal examples or do you have client examples where you saw them want something get discouraged, but, you know, help them to be re-encouraged either way, someone that, you know, or um, additional personal stories. No doubt. I think one that comes to mind, uh, I am head organizer for TEDx here in my County. And in our last event, we had a speaker, her name is Jennifer. She had applied 157 times to to TED events. She had been rejected every time. I wow. saw <laughs> 157 times, rejection after rejection after rejection, that many times. And I know people that apply to one or two and then they get discouraged and then they don't want to be a speaker anymore. And so her story was incredibly inspiring because that's a lot of rejection. That's a lot of feeling that you're not good enough. That's a lot of somebody else being chosen over you in a very apparent way. If you apply for TED and you don't get chosen, it's literally because the organizer thought there was someone better than you 
for that particular event. And so she just her tenacity, her grit of having that goal and said, you know what? I want to be a TEDx speaker. I don't know if it's going to be in 2019 or in 2028, but I'm going to be a TEDx speaker. And she just kept applying. She kept tweaking her message. She kept trying. She kept asking for feedback of how can I improve? What can I do? And by the time she reached my desk, her application was so polished. It was it was so good. It, it really stood out. But if she hadn't gone through all of the other ones, then it may have not have been as polished and maybe a different decision would have been made. So again, it's this reoccurring theme of set the goal. You don't know a lot. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what adjustments or how long, but don't give up on the goal and the dream and figure it out. I love that. That's really inspiring. I mean, just, I mean, not just, but the 157 times that she applied, that message just right there in and of itself is is inspiration, but even more so that she kept asking for feedback and kept trying to get better and not just presenting the same thing over and over. And we can take that um, to our our personal lives where you got to do something different or, or it's, or it's not going to change. If you keep doing the same thing, nothing's going to change. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think she, Jen is a great example of that. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, any last minute stories? We've got about five minutes left. Um, anything uh, personal that has been a, a, a challenge outside of your business that you've been able to really work through and, and achieve? So I've had this, this reoccurring theme of, of imposter syndrome, right? And whether it's it's in business and personal life, I felt it again when I became a dad. When I became a dad, it was probably the strongest imposter syndrome I had ever had because I'd never done it before. And you know, my, my parents, I come from a broken home, like my parents are divorced. And there was a lot of fear of, okay, my parents' marriage failed. Is mine going to fail? But I've always just kind of told myself, okay, if this is something that I want, I don't have all the answers, but I'm willing to find them. I'm willing to, whether that's for me, it was trying to read books and listen to podcasts. Like I started listening to a bunch of dad podcasts and some were good and some were bad, but I, I definitely learned a lot along the way. But when you have that imposter syndrome, it may be accurate to a degree. You might not be there yet. And that's okay. I felt that as a new broker, as a new TEDx organizer, as an agency owner, as a new dad, you don't have the answers yet. And I think that it's healthy to recognize that, but you can't stop there. If you stop there, that's the end of the conversation and you allow it to mentally just bring you down. I think that's where you get yourself into trouble. That's step one. I think step two is, okay, what am I lacking? What am I afraid of? What information do I not feel that I have? And then go out and get it. And over time, you start to stack, whether it's experience or knowledge, and you'll get better. So that has been something that I've tried to incorporate in my own life of this process, the imposter syndrome process. It could very well be justified at first, but you can't allow yourself to stay there. I love that. I love that, you know, you've got to recognize it. And you can't let it be a reason to quit, but you use that as a push to, to learn more, to be humble. You've got to be humble to learn those things that you don't know. And so I love the humility that you're talking about as well. 
So you, you said that well, I couldn't say it any better. Um, I'm super grateful for you to spend your time here on, on the show today. And I would like to open it up to like let our listeners know how they could contact you, how they could reach out, what you, what you could do to help them. Absolutely. Well, you can find me on most social media platforms. The one where I personally spend most of my time is on Instagram or LinkedIn. So either one of those two, you can just look up Tony Acosta on Instagram. The handle is TonyAcosta.us. Uh, you know, I post a lot of content about real estate, about public speaking, about, you know, things of that nature. So I appreciate the time. I appreciate the opportunity, tremendous conversation. And I hope that it was uh, valuable for your audience. Yes, it absolutely is. and will be just signing off. This is Jen McAllister, the host of just figure it out and owner of rise CPA and accountants until next time, friends. <laughs>